Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Open Floor. I'm Andrew Sharp, and on the other line, Ben Golliver. What's up, man? Not too much, Andrew. Right off the top, though, I've got two, count them, two announcements to make. Because on the last episode we taped a couple days ago, we did one of the worst promotional jobs, uh, I, I believe, in NBA history, right? Because, you know. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You mean it wasn't a good idea to wait till 75 minutes in to announce that we're doing a preview episode and we want people to email us? Look, waiting 75 minutes to announce the official NBA season preview episode, which will be dropping next Thursday or Friday, um, was a great way for us to test the loyalty of our most diehard listeners. That's true. we probably got a hundred emails, so big thanks to everyone who did stick around to the very end of that episode. Heard when we asked, "Hey, please send in one question about your favorite team," because we're going to try to cover all thirty teams uh, in our season preview uh, episode that's coming up. Uh, so kudos to the people who did. But let's do it up front here on the top and not be quite so half-hearted about it, because that was the <laughs> other problem, Andrew. I let you promote it, which is always a bad idea because, you know, you're a little too cool for school. You don't want to be seen as out there, (laughs) you know. You know, half-hearted is a great way to describe all of the promotion that I've done on the last, like, two and a half years of Open Floor episodes. But that's what we have you here for, and you're great at it. Uh, I will add, though, We have gotten some good preview questions. Here are the teams that we are set on. Number one, we've got the Knicks, we've got the Kings, we've got Hornets, Grizzlies, Mavericks, Heat, Thunder, Hawks, Nuggets, Warriors, Spurs, Wizards. So we have at least one question for all of those teams. And I have to say, that group, it was interesting because... Most of those teams are teams that we never talk about, and so I think people assumed that nobody was going to ask a question about like the Hornets, and so we got like three or four Hornets questions, and we got a couple Grizzlies questions. So we're set on most of those. But if you didn't hear your team named there, hit us up, man. I mean, we're gonna do thirty teams in ninety minutes. It should be fun. Yeah, hit us up, man or woman or child. <laughs> or woman, whoever, man. <laughs> However, go ahead, hit us up. I know Andrew's reading role like he's a middle school PE teacher over here, checking yeah. to see who's who's uh, you know attending class and who's not. But you're right. We did hear from a lot of very thirsty, overlooked fan bases, people who really wanted to get in, and that's perfect. And we're doing this season preview as a counterbalance to our sort of shameless Celtics loving and shameless Lakers following here recently. Don't worry, guys. We hear you. We know there are 30 teams out there, and we're hoping that we can cover all 30 teams in that episode next week. But that was only one of my announcements, Andrew. I've got another second announcement. All right, hit me. As you mentioned, you're a little half-hearted when it comes to promotion. I tend to be maybe a full heart and an extra half when it comes to promotion. <laughs> I go a little too far, whether we're slanging razor blades or you know at-home meal delivery services or whatever. I get into it, right? Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to pat us on the back too much, but when you look at some of the analytics, Andrew, when you look at the listenership and the Twitter followers and all that, it kind of struck me this week that we're reaching enough people with the open floor globe that we could actually swing 
a national election at this point, right? Like, did, <laughs> did you think about that? Like, how close no. it was? Did I think the... about that? Absolutely not. No. Okay. Well, I did. If you look back to the 2016 election, there was like three states. It was yeah, a like certain Michigan, number of votes. Wisconsin. Okay. I, I see yeah. what you mean, but it it was very close. Now, obviously, the entire open floor globe doesn't live in those specific states, but you get my general point, which is we have a pretty big platform here. We have an obligation to encourage, I think, civic engagement. So if you're above you know, voting age and you're in a state where you can vote, register to vote. The midterms are coming up. We're not going to tell you how to vote. Obviously, if it was a presidential election, we would probably be campaigning for guys like Giannis who aren't even eligible candidates. <laughs> but I do think it's important that we say that. If you're listening here and you haven't registered to vote and you've thought about it and you've listened to politics podcasts and those guys are kind of like urging you to do it and you know, maybe they're a little bit more annoying than we are. Yeah. Who are your friendly family members who are egging you on to do your part totally. to be <laughs> a, a better member of society, right? Yeah. No, we're the cool guys being like, no, voting is cool. So don't it's even rad. worry. <laughs> yeah. Go get a sticker. It's the cool. Keeping it 1600, guys. Who cares? But we, if open floor globe, we're encouraging you. Get out there. Uh, yeah. Coming out of left field with that one. I had no idea where you were going. When you started, I thought the second announcement was going to be that we are now available for download on radio.com, which our producer Lou told us to plug. So, uh, yes, if you are into radio.com, you can now find Open Floor on there and uh, also go register to vote and do your civic duty. We're trying to change the world. One radio.com download stream. At a time. But look, I just take this this tagline influencer, right? Like I take uh-huh. that seriously. Let's try to really influence things here, Angel. Let's do it. There we go. Um, well, listen, Ben. With that, we should get into the regular podcast here after our meandering intro and self-promotion. Uh, I cannot believe you said we could have swung a presidential election. Um, it's possible. It's not out of the realm of possibility, okay? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, listen, so Ben is leaving to go to Michigan for the rest of the week. We're recording this on Wednesday. Ben, I talked to you like 24 hours ago. Not much news has transpired since the last time we recorded. So I figured to start today, we could just read through some of the 2019 GM survey, which was released by John Schumann and NBA.com today. And uh, because nothing else has happened, I thought we could just go through some of this to start. Look, I'm willing to go through it, but we're going to put in a moratorium on no news happening because you've been complaining about this for like four or five episodes in a row. And you used to get on me when I mentioned LeBron James Jr. in the middle of the summer on every episode. Yeah. And granted, I probably went back to that well about four or five too many times. There's stuff happening here, Ancho, okay? It might not be big, glittery, free agency stuff that you really get excited about in early July so you can have all your conspiracy theories, but we've got some news, and I think this GM survey qualifies. Now, granted, they play it a little close to the vest, okay? You won't believe that the GMs think Golden State's going to win the title this year, but I actually think the real fun of the GM survey is digging into the stray votes, like who actually has enough backbone to go against conventional wisdom. And look, to be honest, it's not like the most backbone. It's anonymous. They're not putting their names on it. They're not really, you know, stretching things that far. 
But the stray votes really get me excited. And I, I've marked a few that I want to talk about, but l- let's start at the top, right, with the team they think is going to win the title. Yes. The, the most basic question, which team wins the 2019 NBA Finals? And I have to say, stray votes, I mean, 87% have Golden State. That's 26 GMs. This is so weird to me that I actually looked up which how the percentages correlate to numbers and so seven percent of complicated gms (laughs) all right not particularly complicated but seven percent have boston seven percent have houston that means two gms legitimately believe the rockets are going to go win the title this year and two gms think the celtics are going to win which isn't as crazy to me but how did you read that well I guess I'm a little surprised that there weren't more GMs willing to go out uh, with some weird votes. Like nobody could talk themselves into Philly just being, you know, making a huge leap up and being ready to do it. What about Toronto with Kawhi Leonard? It seems to me if you're willing, at least a few people were willing to go against Golden State. And that obviously involves some injury scenarios for them or meltdown in the postseason or, or some sort of help needs to happen for somebody else to win it. I guess I was just a little bit surprised that, you know, no one went outside the box. I mean, there isn't a Utah guy out there, you know, some guy who just really loves defense and is totally in on Rudy Gobert, uh, who who wants to get a little wacky and wild with the prediction. <laughs> I guess, I mean, I understand just playing it by the book because that's how I do it when I make our predictions for SI. I mean, yeah. surprise, surprise. I'm picking Golden State over Boston in the finals this year. I know real, real shocking pick there. But if I had anonymity, I think I would come up with something a little bit different and weird just for the sake of being different. Ben, can I tell you something? If you really loved Lee Jenkins, you would be the guy to jump out there on that corner this year and say the Clippers are going to win the 2019 NBA Finals. You can make the case for Tobias Harris as the new MVP. I don't know. Show your love. This is the year it clicks. That's groupie behavior, Andrew. That's like sh- showing up on a stage and like running out onto the uh, running out onto the stage, interrupting the whole concert so yes. that you can like try to get a hug, and then security has to tackle you to the ground. That's what that move is. I will not be party to that. that no, you know what that is? That's Gulliver on Instagram behavior, and you're, <laughs> Gulliver in print is a whole different person. So fair enough. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I don't really. I'm not going to be the guy who picks the Celtics to win this year. Oh, come on. Go to your head. You're picking the Celtics to win this year. We know (laughs) it. We all know it. Just say you are. I think it's closer this year than it has been either of the last two seasons. And again, I'm not going to be that guy, but it's, it's not as crazy as it sounds, I guess. Okay, here's one way to look at it. Would you pick this year's Celtics or last year's Rockets, or would you pick this year's Celtics, and then we'd have to clone Kyrie, but then or the the 2016 Cavaliers, right? So like both right. teams would get Kyrie. That is a good way to look at it. If and- I look at it that way, I hate to break it to you. I hate to rain in your green beer. I'm taking both <laughs> those other two teams. I'm taking the 2016 Cavaliers because of the LeBron factor. Uh-huh. I'm taking last year's Rockets because I think that Harden would be the best player on the court, and Chris Paul would have a very good chance of being the second best player on a court in that head-to-head series. Uh, they've got they've got that time together. So if they were playing on. this season, they would have a year of experience together. Uh, to me, I would be stunned if Boston could 
match Houston's regular season resume from last year. And I still think people like you and, and anti-Rockets nitpickers are selling them short for what they did in the postseason too. They dismantled some really good teams. Uh, well, especially Utah. Minnesota was a little bit shaky in the first round. But uh, to me, I'm still taking that Houston team. What about you? Uh, I don't know. The Celtics stuff is getting serious enough. Like, I'm starting to forget whether it's a bit or whether I really believe... Like, I'm really losing myself. <laughs> I don't like I don't like what's happening. But I will say, the Celtics beat that Rockets team twice in the regular season, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and both oh, games were very boy. close. Hayward yeah. wasn't there. Jason Tatum should be better this year. I mean, there's no way I'm picking that Rockets team over the Celtics in a playoff series. Are you kidding me? But, uh, it, look, I'm not, again, Golden State is pretty much in a class of their own, um, but the Celtics are going to push them. And we can talk more about it as the season goes along. You know, we don't need to get into that uh, week have you, one Have you here. ever seen those uh, medical tests that, like, they put stuff into your bloodstream that's, like, colored or it's, like, kind of like a, a, a contrast so that when you go through, I guess, whatever, an MRI machine or whatever it would be, like it comes back and it just like radiates in like a really weird way. And they can like <laughs> use that to like look for defects in whatever part of the body they're looking at. Yeah. I feel like if they did a contrast for you right now, your entire head would just come back screaming neon green, just like in every <laughs> screaming direction. Screaming for help? <laughs> they, yeah. They would They would have to like call, you know, like the, the oldest doctor on staff and be like, sir, we have never seen anything like this. This guy's entire brain has become completely overwhelmed by some sort of unknown disease that we've never seen before. Celtics-itis. This guy is crazy. Yeah. Just say you want to pick the Celtics over the Warriors. Just say it. You're going to get there in a week or two. I'm, I'm pushing you along. Just say it. <laughs> I No, I don't. I'm not going to say it. Um, you're not going to trick me into that. But look, it is, I, I will say... If we do get to June and it's Celtics Warriors, I'll be so much more excited for that series than I was for the last two versions of Cavs Warriors. Because I think Boston has enough pieces to where they can at least make it interesting. And it's not going to be like LeBron in a doomed feat of valiance. And I think Boston tactically can do some things, um, which is an upgrade. It'd be a cute five-game series. It probably, I mean. It's probably not going more than five or six either way, but uh, that's better than four. So, um, and we'll get to go to Boston, you know? It's a nice little trip in June. Oh, perfect. Can't wait. Um, speaking of the East, though, do you have a top four in the East right now? Uh, yeah, it's pretty conventional, though. I think Boston won. Uh, Philly and Toronto 2-3 is very close to me. I don't know how deep you want me to go into that. Um, I think I'd probably put Philly 2, Toronto 3, and then I've got Milwaukee 4. Okay. Uh, and then from there, it's, you know, teams like, I don't know, uh, Indiana. You know, I, I expect them to maybe be a little bit worse than they were last season. Yeah. Uh, but to me, it's a four-team conference. I mean, I, I harp on this every single year, but I don't really know why we talk about anybody past the top four in the East. And frankly, I don't really know why we talk any, about anyone Past, past like the Boston top two, in Toronto? It, yeah, yeah, uh, that's fair. I the the GMs for the record have Boston one, Toronto two, Philadelphia three, Milwaukee four. I would flip it. I have Boston, Toronto, Milwaukee, Philadelphia four, Washington Ooh. fifth. Um, and it's funny because I have been giving interviews like with radio people. 
and they ask about where I where I put the Wizards. And for most of like the last month or two, I've been putting them third in the East and feeling kind of like irresponsible about it. Uh, but like that's that is kind of where I see I. There's a part of me that really thinks that's possible for the Wizards. And then I stepped back like two weeks ago and thought about it and was like, number one, the Wizards are probably not going to win like 52 games and finish third in the East. And number two, it's so sad that my like reckless optimism for the Wizards is possibly finishing third in the East as if that is like cool or something that matters even a little bit. Very well said. I'm proud of you. I, I'm not totally, uh, you know, buying all of your transition towards Celtics fandom, but I do think the like under the radar benefit of this, you know, movement for you is clearer eyes and greater perspective on true. Uh, what's happening with your Washington Wizards. So I, I congratulate you for that. Um, if we're going to do a shameless plug alert, people should check out the uh, season preview magazine. Because I did try to just ruin your entire hopes and dreams about the Wizards, didn't I? I don't want to spoil it too much, but I think that there's a chance this season for Washington, not only do they not reach that ceiling that you're talking about, but that stuff backfires so much in the playoffs that basically front office coach, you know, absolutely hot seat territory after the season, and then the core... I could easily see being broken up next summer. Yeah. I just, to, to me, it feels like the Clippers from a couple of years ago in the sense that we already know they've been sick of each other for a couple of years. And at some point, just like the truth comes out and it's like, all right, we can't fake it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> We've hated we, each other for years. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. for some reason, that's just my gut intuition about this year's Wizards. We'll see if it plays out. I, think- I do think... Look, their ceiling, you're not crazy. You're not a blind Wizards fan to say that their ceiling is 50-plus wins and a top-three seed. That's where their talent level is. But we've also said that for the last three years, and they've never really put it together. Yeah, it was more just sort of an epiphany, like, wow, so this is it, huh? Dreaming about the three seed. Like, okay. Um, So I'm out on most of my Wizards optimism and I feel like fifth is pretty realistic for them the the Sixers are the one where like you could put them second and I would buy it you could put them fifth and I would buy it Um, can let me ask you a question on that though because I know you're a little bit more skeptical or or down on the Sixers than most people Uh, I know you picked the under for them kind of when we were doing the over under chat what are the major factors that have you concerned or thinking that this isn't going to just be like an ascension, right? Because there is one narrative out there that says Philly blew away expectations last year, but they really figured things out down the stretch. They're coming back sure. without having to ramp up. They've got all of their main pieces there. They should hit the ground running and be a legit juggernaut. What uh, has you a little bit more hesitant? Um, I worry that I worry about Embiid's health. Like, I think he was he was pretty healthy last year. I don't I I think he played like 61 games, 60 plus. Um but uh but not 70 and I I don't see him I I I just let's knock on wood. I don't know. Um and then the 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 biggest thing though is like I don't see Fultz as a viable like 30 minute a game guy and they they need an extra quality rotation piece they lost uh bellinelli they lost Ilyasova. their big offseason additions were wilson chandler 
who's already hurt and out for the first three weeks with the uh, with a sore hamstring, which is like the Wilson Chandler experience distilled to its essence. And then you've got uh, Mike Mascala is who's fine, but like I don't know, man. If, if are we really gonna try to talk ourselves into Mike Mascala as a difference maker for the Sixers? So. It's going to be all no, on not. Simmons. <laughs> yeah, no, I know that not. was a rhetorical question, but no, we're not. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's going to kind of be all on Simmons and Embiid, and it's asking them to do a lot. And I think they probably weren't quite as good as the 52 wins indicated last year. So uh, I just think everybody should be cautious about projecting like a step forward. This might be sort of a lateral year. No, I, I kind of hear you. I'm I'm actually kind of in on the Sixers. I think that their main five guys fit really nicely together. They're very balanced. If those guys enjoy good health, I expect a really, really big season from Philly win-wise yeah. and then also playoff-wise. I was really impressed also by their first-round performance against Miami. Like In hindsight, it's easy to say, okay, Miami, they're just kind of a scrappy overachiever team. They didn't really have a ton of talent, but Philly really worked them. And to do that sort of in your collective first trip to the playoffs together, uh, to me, that was impressive. And, you know, I think they're going to be, you know, pretty good. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they're the two seed. Um, me, and- neither would I. I, I if I just ha- if I had to bet off the top of my head, I would say regress a little bit for them. No, I hear you. And uh, I mean, I think that they also have a chance to be right near the very top in terms of just entertainment value, you know, yeah. watchability, whatever you want to call it. Those guys are going to be well, it's consistently funny. great. I was really impressed. They were number one in Zach Lowe's league pass rankings. And that is my experience with the Sixers. Like if you if we go back over the past year, Philly is the one team who I will watch no matter who they're playing, no matter what time the game is, like if I'm at home, I'll flip it on and see what's happening because they are just fascinating. Like there are nights where they're like gooning out over people and just towering over people. And uh, they look like the, the solution to small ball. And then there are nights where like they have no idea what they're doing. And so you get like a pretty wide spectrum, but it's all pretty interesting. Hey, one stray thought I've got about Markel Fultz, because it does seem like he might be through the worst of whatever it was he was going through last year. And this actually applies to Kawhi Leonard as well. You know that old like MIT Sloan conference theory about like, don't get stuck in the treadmill of mediocrity. It's better Mm -hmm. to be really good or really bad than right there in the middle. Did we see some player tanking last year? Like guys like Fultz, maybe his head was just a little bit like overwhelmed as a rookie. And Kawhi, maybe he started to realize like the Spurs weren't kind of going anywhere. Did they either consciously or subconsciously just decide to tank their own reputations as hard as possible, thereby (laughs) setting up the big comeback, right? Like did they basically do one-man processes because – Kawhi gets himself traded, and now he's like, hey, I'm back. I'm Kawhi. I, I laugh funny. I'm a fun guy. I'm the face of the North, and here I am, ready to be an MVP candidate. And because things were so bad last year, he winds up getting way more credit for hitting a couple of mid-range jumpers in a preseason game <laughs> than he would have had if he had just stayed in San Antonio. And then Fultz, I'm seeing these videos go viral oh of him just God. shooting like goofy corner threes with like Ben Simmons trying to block him. And with the tagline, this never would have happened last year. 
It happened two years ago when he was in college. We know this guy can hit a three-pointer. It's not some big revelation. He's a scoring guard who likes to shoot. I mean, come on. Yeah. To me, I think we've we've discovered the the newest analytical forefront, Andrew. It's player tanking. And I'm actually <laughs> curious. Are we going to see media tanking? Is there going to be a point where you decide to pull a Fultz at some point during this season, just run your own podcasting value into the ground just yeah. to set up a big comeback, you know, right in time for the playoffs? Are we going to see that? Maybe. I mean, it's a big risk. I mean, it's a big risk for Markel Fultz to just tank his rookie season that way, but maybe it'll pay off. Um, I don't think I'm, I'm courageous enough. It's one of your worst theories of all time. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, I'm just saying, if you're Fultz and Kawhi and you're like, eh, well, this season's going to be uh, okay, not great. Is it better to just you know run into it, run yeah. face first into the struggle, make it as bad as possible so that you can open a new leaf? Is it better narratively? I'm, I'm just asking the question. I'm not saying that's what happened, but look, if Fultz is like most improved player and Kawhi is the MVP, I'm telling you their struggles played a big part in that, right? By the way, that in general is one of the best hot take strategies is to put something out there and say, look, man, I'm not actually arguing anything. I'm just asking <laughs> questions. I'm just trying to start a discussion. It's so obnoxious. I, I learned this from you. Who yes. else would I learn this kind of a strategy from? Of it course, is, I'm uh, giving you all the credit. You're you my know, mentor. I'm not my, proud my, of it, but it is a staple. Uh, here's the thing. My take sensei. I completely agree with you, though. It's, before we move on, the reaction to Fultz hitting that one jumper, I didn't know that it was only one three that he had hit. And so I saw all these people kind of rhapsodizing about how great he was and how what a what a night it was for Markel, which I loved because for him to not shoot a three at all in the first preseason game was really not encouraging and would like freak me out if I were a Sixers fan. And then he was one for four from three, man. I mean, this is like I think he took six threes a game when he was at Washington and I don't know. I, I just, I'm worried about where we're headed with Fultz. Um, but I, I will say if he can make it back and become like a hundred percent of the player he was, it'll be one of the craziest stories in the league this year. So we're, we're rooting for him. Definitely. See, and it's only one of the craziest stories because he tanked potentially, allegedly. <laughs> yeah, right? he was playing. If he just the long had a so-so season. If he was Lonzo <laughs> last year as a rookie, you would not be saying that, right? This is just like shockingly bad from you. All right, let's go <laughs> rapid fire through some of these top four in the West. Do you have a top four that you're ready to unveil right here and now? Um, my one Golden State, two Houston, uh, three Utah, and I'm still kind of figuring out what I want to do at four. I think my hottest take with, with the you know upper limit groups is that Utah may be getting slept on a little bit. Like I would not be surprised at all if they wound up with one of the top two seeds in the Western Conference. That doesn't okay. mean I think they're going to make the Western Conference finals, but I think they bring everyone important back. They had unbelievable chemistry. They figured out how they want to play on offense. Their offense should be better because their best score you know should be better in, in terms of where he's at in the age curve. They like each other. They have a genuine chemistry and togetherness factor. They play hard. They're disciplined. They're very smart. And they should have the best defense in the league. That's okay. a lot to like. And and the way one scout uh, put it to me uh, you know, last month when we were doing the, the scouting reports is like everything that made San Antonio good like and, and consistent and steady 
for years and years and years. Utah has basically, you know, uh, incorporated all of that. You know, Dennis Lindsay has kind of overseen that same kind of approach. But now they're doing it better than San Antonio is doing it, right? They're steadier. Their defense is more reliable. Um, I think, you know, offensively, they may not have been as creative as a few uh, Spurs <laughs> yeah, to teams. To say the least. In the past, they're still good on offense. Yeah, you know? they're, they're okay not, on they're offense. They're not struggling Let's not get to carried get away. Uh, there are a lot well, of nights they, where they're are, they are definitely struggling. Well, it's not pretty because they play slow, but they've got multiple quality playmakers. You know, I mean, you love Ingles, so let yeah, me start there. I do. But... Uh, and you love their small lineup, so let's not overlook that either. I think that they have a real shot at a top two seed. You know, if either Houston or Golden State decides to kind of, you know, fall back into like fourth gear, and, and I could see either one of those teams doing that this season, uh, it wouldn't shock me if if Utah was the beneficiary there. Okay. Well, the GMs went Golden State one, Houston two, Oklahoma City with a three seed, oh, Jazz no. four, and Lakers five. I'm surprised that more GMs didn't take this opportunity to fire off some pot shots at this Lakers experiment. Um, I mean, granted, it's split pretty evenly between Portland and uh, San Antonio, and Denver didn't get any love here. I think Denver could be fifth or sixth, too. Um, I think Denver could be fourth. Yeah, I don't they think really that, could that, be. I think their, ceil- and their ceiling could be third, you know? I mean, if Utah yeah. runs into some health issues like they've had in the past, I think Denver has a chance to be really good this season. I'm curious. Do you think the GMs are actually answering this themselves? No. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> like, what percentage? No, I, I think there's a couple guys out there that are, like, basketball nerds, you know? Yeah. And they're doing it, and, like, they look forward to it every year, and they're probably sort of like we are during the Top 100 process where they're, like, looking back on what they got right and wrong and, like, trying to calibrate how they can have the best picks. And I think there's a lot of other guys like, you know, Rob Palinka when he's driving his Tesla, you know, totally. his hands-free Tesla to work. <laughs> I'm not sure he's agonizing that's, over every single one of these That's questions. what I was thinking. I was like, you know, I would bet everything I own that Pat Riley gets his email and forwards it to like a video coordinator and has them do it. But um, but it's interesting nonetheless. I, uh, the final thought there. I'm with you on the Jazz love to a degree. I'm not going to get carried away and pick them second in the West. Um, the other team that I'm really starting to warm up to is your San Antonio Spurs. And I don't even know oh, if boy. you have Kiss to disavow death. them Here now <laughs> that DeRozan is in there. But uh, let me tell you, every single DeJounte Murray jumper story I am consuming. I am here for all your DeJounte Murray buzz in early October, and I believe. I think this is going to be a big year for me and one of my favorite pet projects around the league. Okay, so Sixers fans, when he just got done mocking you about Markel Fultz's shooting, just <laughs> just do the ad-libs version, change Sixers to Spurs, change Fultz to Murray, and can now I, he's 100% in. You There's know, no consistency here. Can I tell you something? I didn't want to do this in the Fultz segment, okay? But I was thinking about it earlier today, and everything that Sixers fans are saying about Markel Fultz is actually true about DeJounte Murray and Chip England. So Ooh. all due respect to Drew Hanlon and Fultz, I, like, I, I believe in DeJounte and what he's going to do in San Antonio this year, only because there are like a handful of smart people who are say, who have actually watched him working out and said like, 
it's pretty real. And the Spurs are not the type of team to kind of bullshit about that. Um, so I don't know. I think the Spurs are going to be a problem. And of, of that second tier, they're the team I trust most. Well, I want to believe with you too. I'm not sure I'm all the way there, but I, I am just nervous in the back of my head. I see you sitting on stage you know, at the next live rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast <laughs> next year with them like beaming up a graphic of Murray's three point percentage and Fultz's three point percentage to try to like explain to you why you're wrong. And I'm just Look, worried for you, but I'm glad that you're ready to double down, triple down, quadruple down. Go for it. I would love to be wrong about the Fultz thing because no one like it's not going to haunt DeJounte Murray if he never gets a jumper. But it will kind of stick with Fultz, so I'll gladly take the loss on this one if it means Fultz gets back to what he was. Um, but I'm with you. Hey, why are the GMs so high on Oklahoma City? Uh, you know what? I don't know. I, that that has been like an issue for the last four years with everybody kind of talking themselves into the thunder despite obvious structural deficiencies. And I guess this is just what we do now. It is what it is. Um, but. Moving on to the GM uh, MVP. So LeBron has 30%. Durant has 27%. Uh, Do you have any thoughts here? I really think Giannis is going to win MVP. And I just... uh, LeBron, the, the closer we get here, the more skeptical I am of what the Lakers are actually going to be. Yeah, the GM's order for MVP was actually really interesting to me because they went LeBron 1, KD 2, Davis 3, Harden 4, and then they had others receiving votes, presumably one vote apiece for Giannis, Steph, Kyrie, Kawhi, Westbrook. I mean, first of all, the love for KD, I like to see it. And I was actually going to ask you, is there any chance that KD or Steph winds up winning MVP if Golden State is like easily the league's best team this season? Does one of those guys have an MVP push in them or are they just not even going to try? Because it seemed like they almost ranked this as who they thought their top five players were as opposed to exactly yeah who they thought would win the MVP. Because, you know, I always defend KD, but I do think it's kind of difficult to manufacture his MVP case, right? Like what is what's the narrative for him this season that's different from past seasons where he really struggled to even get much attention in that race. Um, I mean, obviously he's going to be incredible on the court, but we know MVP voting tends to kind of go past that. Yeah. And I also thought it was interesting that the Eastern conference wasn't really that well represented. It seemed like the GMs were just ready to say all the best players play in the West. Yeah. I mean, uh, I actually, as far as the KD thing, I don't think it's as crazy as you do, and it's actually because of something that you said on the MVP podcast we did like a month ago. Uh, we've been talking about all this stuff for far too long, but uh, you mentioned like there's a pretty plausible scenario where Golden State wins 68, 69, 70 games, and they are just so much better than everybody else that it would be almost uncomfortable to give the MVP to like Anthony Davis with 51 <laughs> wins. And, uh, and I think that's realistic for both Durant and Curry. And I, and I like the, the idea that DeMarcus cousins is going to kind of revitalize them and keep them engaged in a way that they weren't last year. So I'm not as quick to write off Durant. And I, I also think Curry 
belongs right next to him. I mean, it's it's a toss-up between those two, and it, it basically comes down to, like, who is more outrageous on a nightly basis, which, again, can go either way. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, for Giannis and Steph to each only get one vote, that could look really funny, you know, oh, yeah. by the end of the season, where well, it's like, oh, wow, okay, <laughs> one out of 30, good job. And the case for Giannis is basically the same as, as the case for Anthony Davis. I think, like, both of them are going to be out of this world every night i don't know if anthony davis is going to have quite enough wins to really kind of round out his case whereas Giannis is going to be in the east he's coming off some what did you call it player tanking it was like the bucks were reputation tanking last year and i think there's they were coach tanking all right they were definitely coach tanking and there's room for them to kind of leap forward in a way that's going to underscore how incredible Giannis is and uh so I like his chances, um, but it doesn't surprise me that a bunch of interns slash like 60-something GMs don't really care about uh, Giannis. Well, now, were you outraged that Gordon Hayward didn't get a single vote? I mean, not even <laughs> on the also-receiving votes list. I mean, how'd that oh, make you feel? Oh, man, I don't know. I've, I've completely lost myself. Um, if you were starting a franchise today and could sign any player in the NBA, who would it be? So they have Giannis at at the top of this list with 30% of GMs choosing him. The one thing I enjoyed is is uh John Schumann includes last year's winner uh for each question and last year Car- Carl Anthony Towns got 29% of the vote here and now he's completely off the list. Did you have any reactions to all this? Well, with Giannis being at one over Anthony Davis, and then there was another question that was like, who's going to have a breakout season? And the top two candidates were Jamal Murray and Brandon Ingram. Yeah. I started to wonder, did the did open floor make this? Yeah. influence these these voters? Because I think Anthony Davis at this point, isn't he a clear one for this category? If you're in terms of starting a franchise, like if you could have the next six years, seven years, eight years, nine years of Anthony Davis. Don't you take that? Well, I mean, I love Giannis more than basically anyone in the world. Yeah. But I still think Anthony Davis is the right answer to that question. I don't know, man, because I think like if, if you and I were, were answering this question and we spent 45 minutes debating it on a podcast, I think you have to then factor in Anthony Davis just signed with Clutch and like wants to go win a title. And if you're starting out, if you're just starting a franchise today, the odds that Anthony Davis wants to be there much longer at this point is are are pretty low. Correct? I mean, that should that factor into this at all, or am I overthinking it? <laughs> well, I think you're going a little too far into the hypothetical here. Like you're <laughs> you're saying that Anthony Davis trade demands have to come along with Anthony Davis, like starting your your mythical franchise yeah i am that's not how okay well all right and fine. by the way i i feel the same way with steph where it's like if i were starting a team to go try and win a title this year i would take steph no brainer but uh if i'm starting a franchise like i don't know there's a sketchy injury history there i don't know how i feel about betting the next five years on steph curry um, and Durant's getting older too. Uh, so anyways, <laughs> that would be the case for Giannis over Anthony Davis. That's all I'm saying. Well, the people who are saying they're going to start a franchise with a 34 year old LeBron, that is remarkable. Pretty like, that is a, that is a real <laughs> dedication to short-term thinking. It's like those people are just like, look, 
global warming's getting out of control. We might not be here in five years. We got to live right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's live, live for the moment. And yeah, that's another thing that like the closer we get to this season, I'm, I'm kind of doing a double take at the Lakers and, and some of the guys they signed this summer, which had to have been signed off on by LeBron. I'm like, I don't know if you want to just like hand over the keys to the kingdom for what? Like, what are you going to really get two or three years from now with LeBron? Um, But I could be wrong. One note on Giannis, by the way, uh, from Matt Moore at HP Basketball. He says, I would like to confirm reports from early this offseason. Giannis Antetokounmpo is indeed jacked at this point. He's added so much muscle. He's basically built like a monster. I just want to say, and Matt is in Milwaukee reporting on that, um, I am a little worried about how much muscle he added because I, I feel like there's a point of diminishing returns with like bulking up where uh, you start to, it starts to affect like your fluidity and that would be one kind of very minor concern going into this buck season. Yeah, I mean, you also run the risk of breaking backboards. You know, it's always annoying. (laughs) I mean, when you can rip a rim straight off of the hinges and just shatter a backboard and you make the entire gym like wait an hour and a half for the cleanup process to take place and (laughs) they have to play the second half of the game, like trying not to step on the little uh, glass shards and, you know, oh my God, I got a cut on my foot because Giannis broke a backboard. Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate. All right, definitely listen. a diminishing return. <laughs> Take it down no. a notch. You know, Look, I under I understand what you're thinking, but I also wonder if maybe for once you're in the realm of conventional thinking here because we really haven't seen someone try to push this boundary as far as Giannis is pushing it. Yeah, and it's worked for him so far. Like everything that he's done in terms of That's sculpting true. his body has paid off with on court results. I would love to see him come back with a real jumper rather than an extra 15 pounds of muscle. But if it's 15 pounds of muscle or no muscle, I'll take the muscle. I will be disappointed now officially if the Bucks don't win 50 games and if Giannis doesn't break a backboard. That's your challenge, Giannis, this year. Break a backboard. Supposedly, they're unbreakable. They've changed the technology and all of that. Prove us wrong. Yeah, well, I don't know. My, my worry... You're probably right. My worry is informed by two things. Number one, when I was in high school, I had a friend who played football, and he one summer like gained like 45 pounds of muscle to where I was looking at him, and I was like, you realize you're going to be like much slower now. That doesn't really help that much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then he ended up being hurt every two weeks with like a pulled groin or pulled hamstring or whatever. And then the other thing... I, I grew up in D.C. You probably don't know who this is, but like LaRon Landry came into the NFL as a really <laughs> yeah. good safety and then just kind of like lost his mind lifting weights. And so anytime I see an athlete get like super jacked, like there was that picture of Giannis over the summer, LaRon Landry alarm bells go off in my brain. And I'm just like, this is not a good thing. Please calm down. Stop taking all that protein. Uh, but Giannis well, will probably look, be fine. The last time I checked, Giannis is a six foot eleven point forward, all NBA <laughs> level player. He's not some like five foot eight shifty offensive lineman with needles sticking out of both cheeks. There right? you like, go. <laughs> there, there might be a little difference between Giannis and your homie from your high school football team. Okay. This might be 
a different class of uh, a different class of character. Nothing would be more heartbreaking than Giannis becoming addicted to weightlifting and turning into the NBA's LeBron Landry or David Boston or whatever. Um, he's not going to turn into my high school buddy. But um, anyways, Giannis is winning MVP this year. Who's the most underrated player acquisition? Uh the GMs had Tyreek Evans with 13%, DeRozan 10%, Trevor Ariza. This is a boring question. <laughs> I don't really have an answer here. Do you? Um, I like that they gave Dennis uh, Schroeder a little bit of love in Oklahoma City. I'm getting pretty close to ready to pick him as sixth man of the year. Okay. Um, in large part because of, again, kind of team-wide tanking. Whenever Westbrook was off the court, they were basically unwatchable, and that's been going on for two straight years now, and arguably longer, you know, but at least it was a little bit more masked during the KD era. I think Schroeder was a below-average starting point guard. I think he's going to be a clearly above-average backup. I think he's going to be in perfect position to kind of make his biggest offensive impact because they're so short on just creators in that second unit. Yeah. And I also think he's going to get a lot of minutes in closing lineups alongside Westbrook, where even though he's not the best shooter, he just gives you a secondary playmaker to do stuff and and to be there in big moments. And uh, I think he's got a chance to really make an impact on their, like just inconsistencies that they've had in the past, but then also on their win loss record too. If Oklahoma city does jump, hold on though. (laughs) If Oklahoma city jumps up to that four spot where the GMs think, Schroeder will be a big reason why. Okay. Can I ask you, though? I mean, don't you feel a little uncomfortable trusting Dennis Schroeder to do anything positive? Yeah, I mean, he's not my favorite player. I would he's, not invest I mean, particularly in his you. jersey. <laughs> like, he's not a Gulliver All-Star. No, not at all. But look, we're saying you have a pretty narrow role. All you have to do is be better than their atrocious backup point guards for the last five years. This is very similar logic to what I've tried to talk to you about with Austin Rivers on the Wizards bench. And, you know, we've run through all the ridiculous backup guards that uh, Washington's had. I mean, I'm sure you remember like the Eric Maynard experience, right? Yeah. Well, guess what? Eric Maynard experience actually started in Oklahoma City. They launched the Eric Maynard experience and suffered through that. They've had all sorts of just really rough uh, point guards last year. Felton was in that role. I mean, there was a time where that worked okay for them. But, you know, Schroeder's a lot better than Felton at this point. Oh, yeah. And- no, I believe in Schroeder. And, I mean, it it does, even me, though, I like it feels strange to be optimistic about Schroeder after how awful the last couple seasons were in Atlanta I mean like those Hawks teammates really seem to hate him (laughs) and Andrew there's a theme here what did I say earlier player tanking right (laughs) did that happen I mean was there a little Dennis Schroeder player tanking make sure you get out of town so you don't have to be stuck in Atlanta I mean look seems pretty plausible I'm gonna let you continue to beat this drum for the rest of this episode and and then please never bring up player tanking ever again (laughs) but uh do your worst while we're here um well, no, I mean, I, I think that was clearly a poor fit in terms of what they were trying to cast him as. Like, hey, you're now the lead guy of this super young and up and coming team, and we're I not agree trying to win basketball games. Like, that was never going to work, right? And I don't really blame him all that much for it. I think he was effective at times when he was in a more narrow role in Atlanta, when he was surrounded by better players. Mm-hmm. I think his role this year in Oklahoma City will be more similar to where it was earlier in his career in Atlanta, where. You know, he was pushing a guy like Teague for like starters minutes, right? And Teague's a solid starting point guard, 
nothing spectacular. Um, and I think Schroeder's kind of in that same class where like, if, if you have him as your backup, you like him. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I think a skeptic would say that it wasn't necessarily just Atlanta that was trying to cast Schroeder in that lead guard superstarish role. I think Schroeder himself was kind of leaning into that for a while. But I look, I I believe that he has, is actually going to be kind of a difference maker for them and uh, and it's he's one of the reasons I'm not totally down on the Thunder this year. I just know that I've mentioned that to a couple smart basketball people over the last few months and like generally I get laughed at. And so I'm I'm happy though that you're on on this island with me and we'll see where it goes, you know? It may it may actually work. Yeah, I'm just glad he's not on quote unquote my team. You know, this is the kind of thing where you definitely run the other way and distance yourself from it yeah. if it doesn't go according to script. But I think there's a chance that it could. I mean, some of the other names on this list, like Isaiah Thomas, uh, you know, and a few of the others, Avery Bradley, which was a weird one because they didn't even acquire him during the summer. Like, I don't understand at all, like, the rationale there. I can at least see the rationale for having Shooter on this list. Another name that I liked a lot actually was Julius Randle because we talked so much about who the Lakers got mm-hmm. rather than who they lost. And I, after two preseason games, I'm already convinced they would love to have Randle on this roster. He would play so many minutes for this group because they've got such a big hole in the middle. And I think the fit's going to be pretty nice there in New Orleans. And he probably just didn't get that much discussion because his contract size wasn't that big, but it was, you know, for once... Uh, the Pelicans didn't drastically overpay someone, so yeah. you know, kudos to them. I, I think that one would would make my list if I had to answer this question. I'm really curious to see how it works with Randall. Um, that's one where I just don't really understand why New Orleans would have the season they had last year where they really seemed like they unlocked something special with AD at the five, Miritich at the four, spacing the floor, and just kind of mauling teams. I'm not sure why you would go through that and then turn around and say, you know what we need? We need another big who's going to replicate a lot of what DeMarcus Cousins gave us. That just struck me as odd at the time, and maybe it'll work, but I'm in wait-and-see mode with them. Yeah, I feel you. Well, what are these other questions are you uh, are you interested in? Um, all right, two more questions. Which rookie will be the best player in five years? Keep in mind the GMs picked Luka Doncic overwhelmingly as the rookie of the year favorite. He got 43% of the vote. I think the next closest was like 17%. But as far as best player in five years... DeAndre Ayton got 27%. Jaron Jackson got 27%. Luka Doncic got 17%. Bagley and Kevin Knox got 13% apiece. And uh, and Wendell Carter got 3%, which seems low. It means he got one vote. Um, do you have any takes? Do you, basically, the reason I'm including this is because I want to know whether you saw DeAndre Ayton go off the other night for 24 and 10 and three blocks. You're just not even going to mention who he was playing. <laughs> he was he was playing the Kings, but they're an NBA basketball uh, team, which is an upgrade over the Beijing Ducks. Are they? Uh, are they an NBA basketball team? I think your point about Luca being viewed as like the impact maker from the jump, but maybe not the highest ceiling guy is interesting. 
I really like there's so many believers in Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah. I mean, I think I would have been really close here between Jaron Jackson and Luca in terms of who I would have said to answer this question. I mean, I gushed about him for what, weeks at Summer League <laughs> and he profiles as just like an unbelievably high ceiling type player, you know, big impact maker on both sides and so young, incredible body already. Like to me, he's a an excellent answer to this question. I also like that last year's top pick was Josh Jackson. <laughs> you know, I just... How'd that go? <laughs> my heart just sank because somehow I missed that the first time and I just glanced at it and it's like, yeah. Because I was really getting ready to, to give you some shit after like four months of harassment around Aiden. Uh, but I don't know. We'll wait and see. I, th- I think Aiden is going to have a much better trajectory than Josh Jackson as a, as a future star of the Suns franchise. We'll say that. No, I, I'm with you. And there, on one other uh, Aiden-related note, I don't know if you saw the next question, which was, which rookie is the biggest steal given where he was selected in the draft? And you know, yeah. most of the people said like Shea or Svee. Wendell Carter, you know, like obvious choices. You know, somebody said, a couple people have said Doncic, which I think is a, another pretty obvious answer. Somebody voted DeAndre Ayton. They gave DeAndre Ayton a vote for being the biggest <laughs> steal, steal in the one. draft at number one. So either DeAndre Ayton's mom is a GM, somehow Ryan McDonough found a way to like vote for his own guys, or maybe. Do you think it's Danny Ainge laying the groundwork, trying to coax Ryan McDonough into believing in sort of like this win now <laughs> vision so that he can somehow like peel away like a Bridges or a Josh Jackson in trade for like a Terry Rozier? Like, come on, you know, Ryan, you got a steal, man. You got the steal of the draft at number one. How often does that happen? Why do you trade for my backup point guard? Definitely worth overpaying. You're ready to win right now. Somebody out there has a plan uh, to to explain this DeAndre Ayton vote, and I want to know who it is. Okay, flip side to that discussion, though. I do think you could make a good case for DeAndre Ayton being the most underrated rookie in this draft class. Do you, do you agree with any of that? Uh, it's possible. Because, I mean, just because he has been nitpicked and ripped apart yeah. pretty thoroughly by the online intelligentsia, the, you know, the the nerd, the nerdorati or whatever you want to call it. That's them. that's how I feel, and I I have to fight back the temptation because like you've made Aiden my guy. He was never really my guy. I went to profile him, and we had a, a he's fun your favorite player. <laughs> um, I'm not like a diehard Aiden believer, but I did. It did amuse me to see how many draft experts like came out peacocking the week of the draft. Like DeAndre Ayton is eighth on my board. Like he's fine, but I mean, I, I don't know how you play him. Like it's like, a, there was a lot of that shit where it's like, okay, calm down. Like it's fine to like Doncic more, but you don't have to act like Ayton isn't also an elite prospect. And uh, I do think he's going to put up, really good numbers in Phoenix this year. The question with him is going to be how much does he contribute to like actual contending, but he'll, he'll be good this season. Yeah. I'm not sure that's a question this year. They're, they're not contending. Well, no, (laughs) I, what I mean is like four or five years from now, we'll probably be having some good debates about what Deandre Aiden actually does for a contender. But uh, he'll look awesome for the next couple months on like a 35-win Suns team. Um, so to, to boil it down, he's on the Devin Booker track rather than the, jo- <laughs> the Josh of. Jackson track, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, that's perfect. Who is the best head coach in the NBA? 
I included this one simply because mm. finally Brad Stevens is getting some love. At long last, 47% of GMs, which is actually higher than most uh, winners of all these questions, 47% of the GMs in the NBA think he's the best coach in basketball. Yeah, I mean, he's he's Quinn Snyder with a propaganda apparatus, right? I mean, <laughs> That's become popular to say, but I mean... I don't know. I Quinn Snyder is fine. I I wouldn't. But speaking on behalf of the propaganda apparatus, you have a counterpoint. <laughs> I think Brad Stevens has done more with less. And I actually, there are a lot of people who would say Brad Stevens has done fairly well with a team that is full of top ten picks and has been really well positioned to go like make make playoff runs every year and uh i think that's that's certainly one way to look at it but let's not kid ourselves about what's like is marcus smart really like a top 10 pick in terms of production i'm not sure but stevens kind of gets the most out of him anyways yeah look all jokes aside he would have won coach of the year last year if Kyrie didn't get hurt he's almost definitely going to win coach of the year this year you know something really loony would have to happen for him not to win it uh, in terms of his toolbox, whether it's play design, lineup management, getting the most out of his guys, like you mentioned, um, establishing a culture. I mean, basically everything you want a coach to do, communicating clearly, standing up for his players in public. I mean, he just checks every single box. So there's, I mean, if there are people who are serious about nitpicking Steven still, they're nuts. Yeah, uh, He deserves the credit. I don't know if I would have him over Pop or Kerr. But he is in this conversation, and I was surprised how many people did put him over both those guys um, this season. I mean, that's an awful lot of respect from sort of people who are in the general vicinity of being his peers, you know? Yeah, and I think it probably is a byproduct of that playoff run and him actually winning something. Because I think that was sort of the the biggest knock for a while is like Brad Stevens hasn't actually had that much success. Um, But last, last season's playoff run was pretty impressive. Um, with that, uh, it's time to move on. We can do a couple minutes on Durant. We can touch on the Kings real quick. Uh, but thank you to John Schumann who puts together this GM survey every year. And it's always fun to, it's, it's great preseason reading. Uh, so go read the full list at NBA.com. There, honestly, God, there are like 50 questions. It's, it's all pretty interesting. Um, but moving on, I wanted to touch on, the little buzz that's beginning to percolate on the internet, your friend, our friend, Chris Haynes, said yesterday, I think he was on Undisputed, he said, the New York Knicks have a very good shot at luring KD away from the Bay Area. The allure that the Lakers had for LeBron, the building, the culture, that's the same way KD feels about the Knicks. Um, have you been hearing some of this too? Well, first of all, I want to give Chris Haynes credit for two things. First, new job at Yahoo Sports. So congratulations to Chris making a big move himself. Second, another big move. You followed me on Instagram last night because I saw him at the Lakers game. So congrats, Chris Haynes, (laughs) for joining the movement. But um, Oh, Jesus Christ. I I hear a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Check my follower list. I I think a lot of people want this to happen. I think a lot of people are trying to wish this into reality. Um, 
I hope Katie doesn't get bullied into it. We know that he is a very, uh, you know, someone you can get into his ear. You can uh-huh. kind of coach him and steer him different places. I mean, I, I'm still not convinced that the Golden State move was like fully his decision. I think maybe by the end of it, he was swayed by you know their pitch to him and the allure of being able to finally get a title. Whoa! But really? Just the way he. Yeah, the way he presented himself all the way in the run-up through that postseason, what he told to Lee Jenkins when they were in Oklahoma City about how it was, you know, building this like skyline and turning Oklahoma City. I mean, he really did a quick 180 there, and I think that gets glossed over uh, a little bit in the retelling. Uh-huh. So with KD, I guess point blank, I would say everything's always on the table. He's clearly wanted it that way by taking these very short-term contracts. Uh, going year by year and kind of reassessing. Uh, but I would still say the odds are way better than even that he stays in Golden State next year. Okay, that's pretty interesting um, because that isn't what I've heard. As far as going to Golden State initially, what I will be curious about for many years until we find out one way or another, I have some sketchy conversation where I find out like, I would love to know what role Nike played because, man, it was convenient for them to just slide Durant in next to Steph and have him kind of overshadow Steph for the last couple of years. Um, and, oh, and it worked. And we like worked, joked yeah. about that at the time. Remember, we were like, oh, they're going to stomp on Under Armour's buzz. And I think some of us, we kind of laughed. I'm like, well, it's still just Under Armour, like whatever. But... I mean, do you hear nearly as much about Under Armour today as you did two years Not ago? Not at all. And it wasn't just Under Armour at the time. I mean, Under Armour was really had a lot of positive momentum after that that big Steph season, like the 73 win year. And uh, and yeah, a lot of that has been zapped. Um, so, Okay, well, stop beating around the bush. What have you heard? About KD leaving Golden State? Well, all summer long, you'd ha- hear people kind of reference... Durant to the Knicks as a real possibility and I had a conversation last week where it was like uh it was somebody somebody I trust was talking about Durant to the Knicks as if it was sort of a foregone conclusion and I pushed back a little bit to be like look anything can happen and it 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 really does sound like a, a little bit of a LeBron Lakers situation where like there have been conversations already and who knows where what it'll turn into but it's like this is in a different category than Kyrie Irving and Jimmy Butler conspiracy theories you know like this is the wheels are in motion to some degree or to, to an unknown degree Okay, so make the case. What do the Knicks offer KD that <laughs> well, he would want? That's part of what I was pushing back against. I was like, man, you know, this would not be the greatest decision for Durant, uh, but he, who well, so they knows? would give him a rep. They would give him a, a clean slate on the reputation, right? Because yeah. he wouldn't be the front runner. They would give him an opportunity to be the best player in the Eastern Conference to lead his own team again without any other conversation about is it Steph's team, is it Katie's team, it would give him a huge market. It would give him, uh, you know, greater, I would argue probably greater off-court opportunities than even the Bay, just because he would be the sort of the singular Oh, sure. Face it, it would be a huge, huge deal. And that's, I'm sure, part of it. And I think Durant has always liked and respected Porzingis. Um, and that... We'll have to have another, uh, a separate conversation about Porzingis at some point because I think there's, 
there are more question marks there than we have acknowledged collectively as like a basketball community. Well, look, but like we have just really poked a lot of holes in this Lakers roster that LeBron joined. If KD went to New York without another star <laughs> also going wild. with him, and he's sitting there waiting on Porzingis to come back from the the injury, and then he's like hoping that guys like Knox and Neil Aquina are going to be his supporting cast. Yeah, that would be so risky. KD, don't do well, that. and don't so do that now. come on, here, come on, don't do that, KD. That's why I can kind of believe it. Because Durant has been getting bad advice for a while, and perhaps this is kind of a continuation of that story. Um, I don't know. Uh, the, I mean, the other thing is, is the Knicks could potentially clear more space if they can find somebody to take Tim Hardaway Jr., Courtney Lee, and then Amnesty Joe Kim Noah. Like that's the work they have cut out for them that the Lakers were able to do. And I don't know, like. The Lakers were able to do that because they attached D'Angelo Russell to Mozgov and and they got very aggressive. And so, like, if you're the Knicks, do you do that with Nilakina? I mean, I would maybe do it. I'm not a huge French Frank believer, but maybe they are. Um, But it does, it it opens up kind of a whole different box of questions. And I'm more than anything, I mentioned this because. I think a lot of people have been hearing about KD to the Knicks, and I'm really curious to see kind of how mainstream this gets like during the season. Well, people need something to talk about with the Warriors, so it's an obvious storyline, especially because you know KD will just say weird things every time he's asked about it. Yeah, like he's not going to be on that like disciplined script like LeBron, so you can kind of milk it for everything it's worth. But what I'm actually picturing right now is Jim Dolan in his office, and he's not like scouring through Katie game tape to like see exactly how Durant could fit and how they could like try to like uh you know do a very carefully presented recruiting pitch I'm seeing Jim Dolan look at Katie's like really infantile trash talk to people on Twitter where he's like oh shut the bleep up punk you're an idiot you couldn't guard me like you know Katie (laughs) always does that and I'm seeing Jim Dolan just like eyes lighting up, huge real smile, being like, <laughs> he's like, we got to get this guy. He is what the Knicks are about. We've got to sign him immediately. This is our guy. That's true. Look, it's certainly possible that Dolan is not an impediment, but is the is the ultimate selling point for Durant. The, the pettiest of the petty. Um, yeah. yeah. If you want to have alignment between ownership and <laughs> franchise player, here's the two guys, yeah, right? The two most thin skinned people on the planet uh no for real though i do love kevin durant and i hope that i think at this point it may be better you're probably right it may be better for him to just stay in golden state and it is 50 50 at best that he leaves um but it's gonna be something that's there all year long so that i mean kevin i think we should just say this very very clearly dramatically drum roll please kevin don't do it just do not do this. Whatever <laughs> advice you're getting, people are planning these seeds in your ear. Probably involves a YouTube channel or some other weird uh, promotional, uh, you know, work that you've tried to do here over the last couple of years that hasn't totally gained traction. Look back on everything that's happened in, in terms of some of the advice you've received, and ask yourself whether that's been the best advice and whether you want to continue going down that route in the future. Yeah. Stick with Golden State. You're in a great place. Rack up the finals MVP trophies. Rack up the titles. Put yourself above Bird on the all-time small forward list. You know, 
get get a few nice you know big time jumpers over LeBron right. in a first round series, <laughs> and just realize how good you've got it. Brand new building there in the Bay Area. Don't throw that all away to try to you know be the savior of this sad sack Knicks franchise. Okay, life coach Golliver, can I talk to like basketball fan Golliver? Can you at least acknowledge that if he went somewhere else next summer, it would make the whole league a lot more interesting? Andrew, yes. Okay. Every time a big star changes teams, it's a big deal. Okay. We understand how this works, and it's happening every summer now. <laughs> this is not like 10 years ago. Andrew, it's not like 10 years ago where we had to wait three or four years for a big player to ever do this. Every summer now, somebody big changes teams. Jimmy Butler decided to change teams during the middle of training camp, and he didn't even tell the team that he was going to do it. This is a regular phenomenon now. There's always going to be excitement. Of course, I know you want to break up the Warriors because you're still upset about 2016, and you're never going to get past that July 4th. <laughs> Just but, wounded for life. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of different guys who can change teams and make things interesting. I don't think Katie should do it. The only scenario where he should go to New York is if he's got another top 10 guy going there with him okay. so that they can be sort of immediate contenders right off the bat. None of this like buying time because he's not in the same stage as LeBron is right now. We're like, I mean, let's be honest. LeBron's best winning days are almost certainly behind him, right? Kevin's not in that position. He just turned 30. He should be you know, capable of being the, the focal point of a championship team for the next three, four, five years, right? And to, quote-unquote, waste that time with a team like the Knicks that's in a transition and trying to find other pieces around him, to me, would be a very poor decision. It would be. And look, the biggest reason to not believe any of this is that nothing good ever happens to the Knicks. And nothing would be more Knicks than them trying to pull off the Lakers' blueprint and striking out completely next summer. So bet on that, everyone. (laughs) Um but all right, and I, I have one addendum to what I just my life coach advice to Kevin. Uh huh. Kevin, if you were actually offended by Bob Myers's terrible joke uh, on Grow the stage, uh, no, run away. If I mean, because look, that was a completely ridiculous joke, and that's the kind of thing where that should chase you out of town. <laughs> okay, just to reset the remember, Bob Myers was like joking about how like. He, Kevin wasn't really in the same like part as you know he hasn't been there as long as Steph and like there was this big laugh about oh Kevin's the new guy da, 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 when he had just won the finals MVP to me that was the moment of all of the the treatment of Kevin Durant that was the absolute worst because it shouldn't have been friendly you know fire what? in no. that situation right, it should have been thankful and gracious and so look if you were rubbed wrong by that moment Kevin and you can't get over it by all means join any team join the magic you know <laughs> no. just go go do a spite signing go join the kings I can't whoever it you're might pulling be pulling me into this Durant last year a lot of the talk around that team was like he didn't necessarily feel part of the group and he was kind of in his own world I just let's be real here that that's how you become part of the group like Friends bust each other's balls and give each other crap, and it's just is like how it works. And to be able to take a joke is how you kind of like endear yourself to everybody. And for Show him to, respect to get to the guy who super did it. <laughs> weird, like come on, KD. I mean, because especially like if I were Bob Myers and I just spent the last four months watching like the greatest basketball team ever assembled potentially come undone because Durant was kind of in a weird zone for a couple months there. Like, 
I would definitely needle him a little bit and be like, yeah, I, I forget what he said, but I would, I would. Oh, here's what he said. Uh, Bob Fitzgerald came in and said, last year you told Steph he could have whatever contract he wanted. And you just said that about KD as well. And Bob Meyer says, well, that was different. Steph's been here since the way before days. He's earned it. <laughs> Basically saying that KD hadn't earned. Yeah. Blind, that he hadn't earned what he, you know, any sort of negotiating leverage. <sighs> KD has, can have whatever contract he wants. It shouldn't be a joke. He should be there, you know, frankly, on his hands and na- knees, bowing to Kevin Durant after that finals performance. And I'm just saying, if if he really did take offense to that, if it's not just something he was able to kind of get over, then he should leave and he should go anywhere and it should be as crazy as he wants. All right. Well, there you go. Um, there's your there's your life coaching for the for the podcast. Uh, let's do a quick podium and then bounce. So. First from Sean, he says, I was glad to hear Ben call out Andrew and his pronunciation of sycophant. Uh, My dad always (laughs) pronounces that psychophant, and it drives me nuts. I've corrected him at least a dozen times. That said, sycophant isn't a word you hear spoken out loud every day, but subsequent is, and it's definitely pronounced with an uh sound. Until today, I have never heard a human pronounce that word the way Ben did. I think you said, I was trying to remember earlier, was it subsequent? Subsequent. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So Look, a lot of people finally came to your defense and said you got one right. You know, I was in the moment, I didn't realize I had said anything incorrectly. And I don't believe you've ever corrected me accurately in the entire history of this podcast previously. Sure. So I was just naturally defensive because I was like, wait a minute, this guy's, <laughs> this guy's always wrong. There's no way I, I made a mistake here. But you were correct. I said that word incorrectly. It was, what a coincidence that we both had three-syllable words starting with S and ending with T that we managed to botch. Because you went first, I think you might have planted the incorrect pronunciation seed in my brain yeah. for later. It's possible. Yeah, well, again, it's traumatic territory for me. I, I've told the story before, but when I was like in ninth grade, I had to get up in front of a class of 50 people and I was reading and I read the word placebo as placebo and was laughed at by the entire class. And it was just, Mm. it was a really dark memory. And I've been reliving that over and over again as we record this podcast every week. Twice weekly. And (laughs) I am sorry, because I get so much delight out of it when you do it. But the shoe was on the other foot this time around. And I understand how hard that is. We heard from a lot of people. Look, I got phone calls about that, Andrew. Not even text messages. (laughs) (laughs) Not even DMs. Not even emails to openfloormail at gmail.com. I got phone calls about psychophant yes and look it it was the opposite of our preview show promotions (laughs) i I had psychophant in like the first minute of the podcast so anyone who listened to open floor by mistake like tuned in and was like oh my god are you kidding me uh but (laughs) so it goes i i'm i appreciate sean for calling out the fact that subsequent is worse and and less defensible than uh mispronouncing sycophant no i I might even take a half loss on this (laughs) okay but can you do me a favor though we got a great email from josh and instead of clowning you and maybe he felt sad because he knew you were going to get a lot of people making fun of your mispronunciation josh came through with a very kind letter directed towards you and you know you have a tendency to skip over the ones that are actually complimentary of you you have this very weird 
masochistic tendency of reading sure. all the trash talk emails about you. So I know it's a little weird to read an email where the guy's praising you, but can you please read Josh's email? Okay. Uh, I also want to add, Marcus is a teacher who listens to Open Floor, and he said, I made sure all my 10th graders could pronounce both subsequent and sycophant today. So shout out to Marcus. Open Floor in the classroom. Everybody get out and vote. We're just trying to change the world. <laughs> Everybody get out and vote. Yeah, make sure graders. your 10th graders who are definitely not eligible to vote. Make sure they all vote, Marcus. Yeah. Let's do that. All right. Um, all right. So Josh says, it wasn't particularly complimentary of me, but just talking more about the the triangle area, Chapel Hill, Durham, and Raleigh. I really enjoyed this. Andrew, he says, come on now. He started the email off by saying, big thanks to Andrew yes. for his views on the triangle. <laughs> Okay. Growing Stop up. Stop being yes. so fake humble out here. It's crazy. Josh continues and says, Growing up around here, I have always felt that we are underrepresented when it comes to basketball appreciation. Whether it's UNC, Duke, NC State, the Lakers or Celtics, or even high school basketball with the famed Winter Classic, which is now called the John Wall Invitational. I can guarantee you that almost every person in this area knows and cares about basketball in some variation. To help explain to Ben how far that relationship really goes, I can remember in primary, middle school, and high school, I was watching college basketball in class every single year. It's a rite of passage. The ACC tournament and NCAA tournament would both be broadcast into every teaching institution in the area. Side note, a rite of passage for me was skipping school on the first and second day of every NCAA tournament, like after I turned 13. And uh, it's so much cooler that they got to watch it in their classrooms. That's amazing. Um, and he continues. Did you on. tell your teachers you were getting a vasectomy every single year? <laughs> no. Because <laughs> that's like the new thing now. I mean, all these podcast advertisements, it's like, hey, if you want to watch the first day of the tournament, go get a vasectomy. <laughs> I do not know anyway. what podcast you're listening to. Um, but uh, I, I look forward to one day reading vasectomy ads on here. Um, <laughs> it's coming. Just wait for Josh it. Josh says, now I'm a college graduate working in Raleigh, and I can say it's the same after graduation. Last March, all the TVs in my office were tuned uh, were turned on so that everyone could watch Duke and, Nair- and North Carolina battle it out. This is a part of our culture. It's part of living in Raleigh, Durham, or Chapel Hill. I can remember in eighth grade, my school bus would take me to my brother's high school, and we would go walk a quarter mile to nearby Word of God Academy to see a young John Wall destroy whoever he was playing that day. I can remember seeing the absurdly long lines at the Crabtree Mall just to get a picture with Tyler Hansborough. Oh, nice. Thank you, Andrew, for really doing justice to the absolute love people here have for basketball. The only thing missing is the NBA. We have elite high school teams, elite college teams, and now we need the NBA franchise we deserve. So... Uh, Great email. It really was. The only other thing missing besides the NBA for Raleigh was obviously you documenting any of this on Instagram stories. <laughs> but this is what I'm talking about. I love the passion that, that came through with that email. These great personalized stories. Uh, that was beautiful. Yeah. In general, I love being down there because, again, like when you walk into the to like the Dean Dome, you, you can absolutely feel how much they love basketball. And uh, I plan on trying to get to Cameron Indoor for an actual game this this year also. So um 
It's very cool. Going to be in the tent out front waiting on tickets for like three weeks. Or Ugh, I was so disgusted uh, when I saw like the Shashevskyville sign and like the whole area there. Duke's campus is really nice, also, which is pretty upsetting. Um, but yeah, that team's going to be pretty awesome. All three of those guys are really interesting as draft prospects. Yeah, well, keep these triangle emails coming. Andrew, I think that's a good place to wrap it. We thank everyone for the amazing questions. We really did get completely overwhelmed by questions this week. So keep sending them in. Openfloormail at gmail.com. Openfloormail at gmail.com. One final plug for questions that are team-specific questions that we can read on next week's uh, NBA Season Preview podcast. Also, check us out on Apple Podcasts. Find our page, two words, open floor. When you search, scroll down, it says rate and review, tap five stars. It's just that easy. We're also on the world famous radio.com. <laughs> I was going to say, don't forget to check us out on radio.com and don't forget to register to vote. I will be in Michigan the next couple of days, as you mentioned, attending to some family duties and also checking out the big house, an annual trip. It's great. Andrew, until next week, I will talk to you. All right, man. Take it easy. Another great edition of Open Floor is in the books. Did you know Locked On has a daily podcast for all 30 NBA teams? If you're a Lakers fan, search Locked On Lakers. A Celtics fan, search Locked On Celtics. Warriors fans, search Locked On Warriors. Yes, all 30 NBA teams have a daily bite-sized podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Search on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts for Locked On, your favorite team. Or tell your smart speaker to play podcasts Locked On, your favorite team. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.